Hello and welcome to episode 18. Episode 18 of the Hybrid Podcast, the newly newly named Hybrid Podcast. Um, all things hybrid coming up are hybrid Bristol-based workshop this weekend at Sweatbox on the 20th of July, which is going to be all the fun going through different handstand bits, movement prep, and um, there's going to be quite a lot of cake, so you might want to make an appearance if you fancy lots of hugs and cake. Anything else? It's also Bristol, Bristol Harbour Festival on that same day. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so but the, hand, even... the hand sandwich will probably be better than the hard best, I would mm. have thought. But you can probably do both, actually. You but... can absolutely do both. <laughs> no need to just do one. That's the hybrid option, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the Bristol Hybrid Harbour Fest. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do really well in the workshop, then you might be able to do some hand sandwiches at Harbour Festival. Do you know what? That's probably the best thing to do. Come to the workshop for three hours, get really good at doing handstands, go and display your skills in front of lots of drunk people and then get drunk with them. Yeah. If you wanna if you're not in Bristol though, but still want to learn handstands, the handstand ebook is an unbelievable comic book full of excellence. Um, and yeah, I'm still like awed by what Matt has done with the design and that. So the illustrations and that literally make it so engaging to read. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out as well. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Especially the hybrid man. Yeah. <laughs> Captain hybrid. Captain hybrid. He'll definitely get you a good handstand. <laughs> He'll watch over you while you're doing your handstands. Uh, okay, so, fact of the day, TM Tom. Right, so we put it to the, the hybrid group. We had a, a number of facts, and we're going to cherry pick the best ones. <laughs> um, the first fact is actually an excellent fact. So, bones found at Seymour Island, which I assume is somewhere down far south. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming near Antarctica because um, it's to do with penguins. But basically, the bones indicate that 37 to 40 million years ago, there was penguins there that stood at six foot tall and weighed 250 pounds. Do you want to convert that to metrics if people know what we're on about? That's a uh, hundred and eighty-two point six centimeters, um, and how many pounds? Two fifty. Gosh, that's a John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> and so I weighed a John John Cena amount of kilos. Yeah, one hundred and twenty kilos. Gosh, <laughs> many kilos. He's you know he's only like five foot nine or ten. Is he? Imagine weighing that many kilos. Such a boss, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah. If you're lucky, we'll maybe play his, his, his <laughs> intro music. <laughs> that should be the intro to this, yeah. this, this pod. On that topic, um, the average Neanderthal man uh, was 1.65 metres tall and weighed about 70 kilos, 75 kilos. What's that in Imperial? Uh, small. <laughs> Smaller than penguins? Like 5'9 or something. Wow. So the penguin would have knocked him out. Were Neanderthal men around 30 to 37 to 40 million years ago? No. <laughs> <laughs> so the chance of a, <laughs> of a death a match between the two of them was probably fairly low. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I'd still back the penguin though, to be fair. How old are Neanderthals? Um, well, weren't... I don't know, mate, in all honesty. From um, 
first kind of civilizations starts to come together, was it 12,000 years ago? Yeah, about that. Um, so longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go about 100, 200,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I reckon it's longer than that, to be fair. Yeah. Because the animals are diff- different species, aren't they? They're not Homo sapiens sapiens. Homo sapiens sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many? Um, yeah. Uh, how many Homo uh, species were there? Five Homo oh. species, I believe. Um, Homo erectus, Homo sapiens, and then three others. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know much about the uh, how? We were the only, well, Homo sapiens sapiens were the only ones that actually s- remained. Uh, I've watched the um, yeah, Kurtzkazag talk on it, but... I'm trying to remember all the bits about that, but like, um, <clears throat> essentially, all the other um, species of Homo were wiped out, and only about 10,000 or so... Um, of the Homo sapiens actually survived this onslaught, whatever the fuck caused them to go extinct. I think it was like an ice age or something, or like a really cold time. Um, and um, yeah, so we're all evolved from like a really, really, really small number of uh, ancestors. That's crazy. Mental, no? Yeah, that is mental. It's, I, I still find it crazy that it's like, it was the development of fire that actually allowed humans to thrive. Mm-hmm. Because they could actually just get so much more nutrition out of their food. Yeah, it literally boggles my mind that some people have actually gone backwards to being sort of raw <laughs> vegans. Yeah. Not that I'm not that I'm bashing them, like, but we developed as a species after finding fire to be able to get nutrition out of our food, and some people are now not doing that, so they're actually getting less <laughs> nutrition <laughs> from their food. <laughs> It's unbelievable. <laughs> it is so funny. But yeah, like, there, that was a massive turning point in, um, in human evolution because it allowed, it meant that so much more energy was available for brain development. Yeah. Like, if you look at, like, energy consumption of a human brain versus any other brain, it requires loads more energy per kilogram. Um, and the only reason that's allowed, or, or we could do that, was because someone was like, oh, this cooks food and pre- <laughs> this this really hot thing pre-digests my food so I can <laughs> smash more of it in. <laughs> Interesting fact on top of that, um, the human brain actually uses about 400 calories per kilo per day. Um, so yeah, it's quite energy expensive, really. Very energy expensive. I wish the rest of my body cost 400 calories per kilogram. <laughs> yeah. Just be able to eat forever. Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine uh, how much food you'd need to sustain yourself. Your, you, your muscles are not as clever as your brain. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Um, what was the other fact from the guys? Um, so another fact, grasshoppers have ears on their abdomen rather than their head laughing face. Loving faces is part of the facts. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, yeah, so there's that one. Um, and the last one is that there's apparently 93 ways to change behaviour. Um, 
but we're not going to list all of them because we haven't got a list of all of them and that's too many to mention. Way too many. Yeah. But lots of ways you can change your behaviour, apparently. Decent. I want lots of ways to change behaviour, to be fair. Yeah. It's very, very, yeah, it's very interesting. But shall we go on with today's podcast? Um, this was kind of stemmed from a question that we were asked, but um, we're kind of I'm in an iron as to whether to go into it because there's loads of different factors that kind of come into it, and obviously it's to a certain extent that we're like we're putting our sort of our own opinion, our own spin on it. But basically, we were asked to just define health and what what that kind of means to us and what like potentially people can take away to help them, I guess, li- like live slightly healthier lives potentially. Um, because I, th- I think generally people look at like, it, like it, it's called the health and fitness industry, really, isn't it? But mm. there's so much much of it that's just focused on sort of like abs and biceps and like if it fits your macros and all those kind of like superficial kind of top uh, top layers that the kind of the main point in terms of health is quite often missed. I think because um, in reality, like training like resistance training as a thing in itself is so, so beneficial, like long-term for health and is something that everyone should be doing. Um, and I think sometimes sort of like those images of sort of like people being super uh, super ripped and stuff like that actually kind of put people off because they start to kind of try and chase something that they're not really after to start with. Um, would you agree? agree yeah, no, absolutely, mate. I think um, <clears throat> it's really easy to, to like, like you say, for the... It is the health and fitness industry, and <clears throat> it's so easy to forget that for um, for aesthetic purposes. And so, like, what I always think about this is having muscle for a bodybuilder is essential to win a show, but having muscle for any person is essential to live a healthy. Um, and like a life that you kind of want to live. So people just see um, muscle as a means for just aesthetic purposes, and it's just so much more than that. There's obviously like when you train for aesthetic purposes or you want to build more muscle or whatever to look a certain way, you can absolutely have more than is required for health. But there is a really fundamental amount that you definitely need for overall health. There's a really interesting, there's loads of papers on it actually, but there's um, one meta-analysis that look at um, total muscle mass with all-cause mortality. And the more muscle mass you've got, um, the lower the rates of all-cause mortality are. So you literally live a longer life. And not just so you live in like longer um or like not dying so early, the the quality of life that you're going to have during those times are much, much better. Like, I mean, we can all probably think of examples of people in our family who have gotten older and stopped doing any activity, whether that's resistance training or whatever it is, um, and they just have loads, loads more health issues around moving so, like, my, my grandma, my nonna, for example, really struggles to go upstairs. Like, that's so sad. She really struggles on stairs. You know, she's 
84, but the but if she'd have done some sort of like resistance training from the age of 60 or 70 when she had more mobile joints, she would absolutely still be able to walk upstairs. Yeah. Because um, we know that if we do some sort of resistance training, if we try and build a bit more muscle, we're going to have more muscle, obviously, because it's going to mean, um, which means our foot joints are going to be able to produce more force. So every stair is actually a little bit easier than a stair would otherwise be. Not only that, we're going to have more robust joints because we know that doing some sort of resistance training has a massively beneficial effect to how much bone you actually have. Like not like not just how well the joint moves, but you'll literally have more bone. And we also know that as we age, that is something that we just lose. We lose muscle and we lose bone. And there's what there's you know really one way we can ensure that we we keep that, and that is through resistance training. It's like an elixir for like long-term health, but you don't really get from <clears throat> from many other modalities of exercise simply because the joint in, like if you obviously you get um, bone mineral density increments from like high impact sport, but no one's going to advise my non nad to go and play netball. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Whereas like literally trying to encourage her to sit down, stand up on a to, to a depth that she can manage, it's really achievable and yeah. can be progressed over time. So she, she keeps getting better. Um, like my mum, for example, uh, about four, I mean, I've, I've been trying to get my mum to do some sort of resistance training since I was about 17, I reckon. Yeah. And she just never did anything. But about three or four years, three years ago now, maybe, um, she was suffering from uh, um, not amenorrhea, alopecia, and um, I can't think of the word. What's the one where you're deficient in iron? Um, oh, I sent it my time. Begins with A. Um, anemic. Anemic, yeah, she's yeah. really anemic, and it allowed, she forced her to go and have loads of, um, loads of different tests done. <clears throat> and essentially, um, she had to go and get some, quite a few DEXA scans, and from one DEXA scan to the other, six months later, she was losing a shitload of bone mineral density. And, you know, that can't happen when you're 59, because you're gonna n not live the life you want, not be able to get up and down from the floor when you're 63 or 64. Um, and that sort of gave her the push to be like, okay, I'm gonna start doing some, some sort of training. And like, now, three years later, she's better than she was when she was 40. Yeah. which is so powerful like it's like literally better closer to 60 than yeah. she was when she was nearly 40 that's yeah. unbelievable just because now she lifts some weights between one and three times a week and she's done that for the last two years yeah it's so it's actually so sad when people like they don't sort of start to invest in their health until it's already been started to be taken away from them yeah um and it is something for us, obviously, like we've all kind of had injuries. So we like, we really kind of value that, that physical freedom. But there's so many people that like, it, like training is just not a priority and they never really got, kind of got into it, never really enjoyed it that much. But then you kind of end up working like crazy long hours, like loads of stress, not sleeping properly. And then you get to like 35, 40 even, and stuff just starts to break and go wrong. You're like, you've got chronic pain, like, just like loads of th loads of things just start like start kind of breaking down and, and it's at that point then when people kind of uh, sort of realize that ah oh, 
yeah, I, I probably need to do something about that. But if, if you'd done that from sort of like the get go, you'd be in so much of like so much of a better position, like when you get to that point. And like some people that like don't even kind of like they start to get these like these pains and stuff, don't do anything, leave it to like the 50 or like think oh, I'd like I'll sort it out when I have a bit more time when I retire. And it's like by that point, it's way too late. Mm-hmm. It's what like the, your quality of life is going to be so much less at that point if you don't do anything early on as opposed to just thinking, oh, well, like when I have that bit more time or that sort of thing, it's, it, it just doesn't work. And I think, I think like, like I said at the start, sort of like when people look at health and fitness, they see, they quite often see like the abs and the biceps and that sort of thing. If that's your sort of trigger to get like, to get into training to start with, that, that's like, like, that's absolutely fine. That's excellent. Cause you get into the point of training, but it's then just like making sure what you're doing with training doesn't actually end up injuring you and, is something that you do enjoy so you can make it a habit and, and continue to do it going forward. Cause like, like me and I've just said, it's like the process of training long term is so, so beneficial for literally everything that it's like, like when you, when you actually see like the studies on it, you, you'd literally be crazy not to, but then obviously there's so many people that actually don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously like I said, we're, we're in that position where we've had these sort of debilitating injuries that have stopped us from doing the stuff that we normally like to do that makes us value it so much. But yeah, I think if people sort of like change that mindset of like, oh, I, like I can't train five days a week, so I'm not going to do anything. Like even if it's literally like, like getting into the gym once or twice a week, consistently even if you're not actually like physically feeling like you're making progress will still like like absolutely stop you going backwards and maintain Mm -hmm. like strength like help with the bone mineral density like help sarcopenia all all those things that you just kind of take like take for granted when you're younger but actually get taken away like pretty quick like when you get older yeah absolutely i think that's a really really good point um that people sort of take it people sort of just take and and just try and tell everyone yeah, if you want to make certain aesthetic goals in the gym um, a reality, you're probably going to have to train, you know, two to four times a week. If you really want to push progress, it up, you know, three to five times. But just to remain where you are, even if you're really fit, two sessions a week is actually all you need. And especially if you're 40, 50, 60, just doing one or two sessions a week is so beneficial. I mean, that's between 50 and 100 sessions a year. It's loads more than zero. (laughs) That's way more than zero. (laughs) It is so much more than zero. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like 50 sessions, if one session a week is 50 a year, that is so, 52 obviously, but like that's so many. Yeah. Get get Christmas day off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is literally so many. Um, and you can make, I mean, I got, dislike using anecdote for evidence, but like, it's, I've got one client that trains me once a week, and she's like an ex-gymnast, but like, over the last two years, she's made, you know, not really much progress, progress, but she's maintained all the abilities that she had two years ago. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, 100%. Like, she can, she can still hold like, 20 second handstands, she can still deadlift her body weight, do all of these things, that the reality is, she can do like two or three chin-ups. Yeah. She wouldn't have been able to do had she stopped training three years ago yeah. because she couldn't do, um, she could only make one session a week. Yeah. Like, yeah, she hasn't gotten better, Yeah. but like just remain, if she can keep that level of fitness when she's 60, yeah. oh my gosh, she's going to be a boss. Yeah. 
well, like, like I said about your mum, like I, I train my mum as well, and she trains with me once a week. She's quite active anyway. She does like quite a bit of walking, a little bit of running, that sort of thing, um, and is coming up to sixty next year. But like the amount of progress she's made over the past two years, just from like training consistently once a week, or not mm-hmm. even not even once a week, quite often, um, is actually unbelievable. Like she's like chronically had lower back pain just because she's like like everything was so stiff just wasn't like really moving her joints through a full range um and literally like that's just completely gone she's ne- like she's never been able to do press-ups and she's like pretty much like banging out press-ups now which is wicked <laughs> um and it, it's it's just like it's so nice to see and it, it like in reality the dosage of what you actually need to do to achieve that is actually like is actually pretty small it's uh, and the like the quality of your life that you can sort of like the difference you can make to that is enormous, but like from such a little time investment, mm-hmm. so like it's literally crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So we definitely know that like for long-term health, some kind of resistance training is just essential. It's going to stop you losing as much muscle. Um, if not, it's going to help you keep almost all your muscle, if not gain some in some instances, which is going to lead to a much higher quality of life in pretty much every case um, and not uh, and allow you to live that quality of life for longer yeah for sure um, so, I was just gonna say we, we've kind of made a little bit of a list of sort of a few things that we sort of think are sort of pretty important for kind of I guess living a healthy life and living like living a healthy lifestyle um, obviously resistance training like Ali just said is one of them another one is just like moving every day moving your joints through like a full range on a daily basis even though it's like five or ten minutes and that doesn't even really need to be like under load or anything like that just doing like some shoulder circles where you're trying to take your shoulder through a full range is we we know that's going to help you to maintain that range in your shoulder um and that's so important just for like movement quality but also just being able to move pain free like the reason we have so many sort of issues with like chronic pain and things like that is people just sit in the same position for extended periods of time it's like it's not really a bit of wonder that we like like you have these like those chronic conditions but just move like moving every day will help you move pain free absolutely yeah and it's like it's one of those things where it's so easy to just be like oh i'll just do it tomorrow i'll just do it tomorrow but if you've got some um, like anchor in your that you could put into your life where you do do something every day, I mean for us it's we're so lucky because it's so easy. Take two or three clients through their whole mobility sequence before they train, and then you get it done. Yeah. But then on days when I'm not in not coaching or not um, don't train, which are obviously quite a few. Um, I find myself having to make myself do those things. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it does it like, like I said. We're we're very lucky because we can just we can just slot it in like that. But to to actually implement that as a habit can be a little bit harder. Like I, I find like if I'm not in my normal sort of routine, if I go back home for a few days or I'm not on holiday or that sort of thing, I actually find it really hard to sort of continue to do the stuff that I would normally do on a daily basis because like the habits change with the environment. Um, but a really, really like nice way to sort of almost program yourself to do that is to literally like take the most simple thing that like 
that you can do if it's like say cat cams or just some like really basic spinal movement and just give yourself a scenario when you do that so you're like in the morning after i've brushed my teeth i'm just going to go down to the floor and i'm going to do five cat camels and that is so so easy to do and chances are like once you actually have like got down on the floor and done five of them you might do a little bit more moving and just like add something else in and it's, it's just literally then like building the habit from there rather than being like being really strictly something like i'm going to do 10 minutes mm. not giving yourself a time and a place to do it like giving yourself a time and a place to implement a habit is actually like really really powerful for actually allowing you like to to actually build that habit yeah absolutely um habits are hard enough to form as it is so having some sort of reminder um initially and then like having using that as an anchor yeah make life a, a lot lot easier so like obviously you brush your teeth every morning it's a habit you've already got yeah so you can just anchor doing a few cat camels on the, off the back of that you might need a reminder you might need to write a post-it note on your mirror like do some movement but once you've seen that you brush your teeth you just do it it'll sudden it will over a decent chunk of time it will be something you haven't it requires as much effort as cleaning your teeth does which is hopefully none yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, the next thing we sort of um put on our on our checklist is just some kind of like cardiovascular work or like just general kind of like aerobic work fitness work whatever you want to call it but basically just like elevating your heart rate um breathing a little bit harder a couple of times a week like the benefits of doing that are like are massive both like from a sort of general i i guess sort of efficiency point of view in terms of like the other training that you do it'll make that like recovery for that easier and also day to day, you'll probably just like you'll feel much better for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and by like, if if we want to kind of talk fat loss and kind of like that's that sort of stuff as well, like the bigger your capacity there, chances are the bigger capacity you have to actually like expend energy. So like, if you can go out for a ten k run uh, and you do that a couple of times a week, that's a, a great way to actually like expend energy. And like we spoke about on the podcast last week with Greg, like whilst um, exercise is like has been shown to be fairly poor for actually dropping weight or losing weight for weight maintenance is actually like really really powerful um so giving yourself the, the tool to be able to like it like to have that capacity to do that is actually like is excellent for everyone yeah absolutely i mean it's not to obviously having a a heart your heart is a muscle at the end of the day and it needs to be worked just like any other muscle um and so making it beat really quick is one of the is the best way to improve that that um that musculature the musculature around it so that is literally essential because it's the thing that's keeping you alive and you want to make sure that your whole cardiovascular system is in a really really good healthy state and doing some sort of aerobic work it hasn't really got to be like high intensity aerobic work necessarily which is always always quite hard you know, like we know that doing 30 minutes on a stationary bike is excellent aerobic work and you could probably maintain the conversation the whole time. And if you could do that for the rest of your life, once to twice, three times a week, you would be in great shape. Not, um, not, not fat loss wise, nothing to do with that. I just mean like your overall health would be excellent. It also has a really positive impact on your overall mental health. If we can choose some modality of aerobic work where we get outside, we spend it with people that we want to be around. That's got such another massive carryover. Um, 
to things that make you um, healthy across the board. Obviously, like what we've spoken about mainly so far is physical health and physical freedom, but there are so many other elements of health that are really, really, um, probably just as important, really. Um, and you can combine a lot of those things with whether it's resistance training, aerobic training, whatever it is, you can combine some of those relationships um, with spending time with people that you love, doing something that's outdoors or like, you know, it hasn't necessarily got the outdoors, but like we also know that getting exposure to light is really fundamental for our overall health. So when you can get outside and you can get that exposure to light, um, by all means, try and do that. Have I spoke about the Norway, the study in? No. Nope. Oh, okay. There's one study, um, this is just a little um, segue into like light exposure. One really amazing study um, done in fairly far north. Um, I think it was done in Norway. In northern parts of Norway, they have no, um, yeah, in, in the deep winter, they have no light. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not sure. Possibly Iceland. I'm Iceland. Sure. It might be Iceland, actually. But anyway, so... The deep winter sounds <laughs> sounds harsh. <laughs> so there was a study where um, essentially it was in an area where there was no light in the winter from the sun. So you couldn't fuck up the study by walking outside and getting some light. It was you, it was either you had light therapy, which is where you're given really high intensity light bulbs, um, or you weren't given light therapy, so you had just normal light bulbs. So to give you a little bit of an example, like the sun... Um, middle of the day on a summer's day yields about 100,000 lux. That's the sort of like intensity that your eyes pick up. Whereas the light bulb in your house is probably around about 2,000. So it's like a massive difference, really big difference. And essentially our brains, uh, well, in our eyes, we pick up this intensity of light. And the higher that intensity, the... Um, it sends signals to us to sort of like be awake and and almost like orchestrates us to be more awake or less awake depending on the intensity of light. So during this study, people were given light therapy for two weeks and it was taken away for two weeks. They were given it for two weeks, it was taken away for two weeks. Bear in mind again, in this area, they could not walk outside and mess up the study by getting exposure to a to, to, to light like we would get in the UK. It's even in the winter, in the middle of the day, you're still going to get quite a lot of lux if there's no clouds. So during the time that they were given light therapy, their mood was increased, their desires to work were increased, their desire to go to bed at the right, like a bed at appropriate time and wake up at an appropriate time were increased. They had um, better relation, well not relation, they had better um, nutritional intake. It was like more diverse, lower in calories, higher in protein, all that sort of stuff, like just a more general, generally overall good diet. Um, so they, uh, they had better relationships um, and then when the light therapy was taken away they essentially, all those things reversed um, and then when it was provided back to them again all those things switched back so in a really, really clear way they literally lived better lives when they were exposed to more light um, and it's, you know, seasonal affective disorder SAD is a really common thing in the UK even People go through periods of more depressive tendencies, whether they've got depression or not is, you know, something not really for me to say, but 
um, they have more depressive tendencies when they are not exposed to as much light in the winter. They might get up for work in the morning and it's dark and they drive to work and they have no exposure to any um, natural light all day. It's all artificial and they get over the course of like weeks and months, they actually get a little bit depressed. And we know that that's very possible based on um, what we know about light exposure. So trying to get outside, trying to get exposure to, to high intensity light is fundamental for human health. And if you go through periods where you can't get that, then buy a sad lamp and have it 30 or 40, 50 centimeters away from your head, from your eyes and take in that light because it will literally make you a bit happier. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how much of a difference that makes. I think in Iceland, they, the sun, in the winter, the sun comes up at 11 a.m. and sets at like half two in the afternoon. That's crazy. There's isn't literally it? like three hours of light in a day. So if you're like in an office or working, you literally like, you just get zero exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like suicide, I'm pretty sure like suicide rates and de- like rates of depression and stuff like that are so much higher in those countries mm-hmm. in the winter, like literally as a result of light exposure, yeah. which is absolutely mental. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially considering they're like some of the most, um, or people like have really, really scored, they score really, really high on like, the happiness ratings. Yeah, the quality, the quality, quality of life. life. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like the, those, like the Scandinavian countries, generally like really, really high mm-hmm. on those, aren't they? In terms of like well-being, sort of like general health and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, light exposure is important. Get outside. Um, we have made a note of a few other points, but um, we are going to leave it there so we don't ramble on anymore but we'll come back to this because there's a few other things in terms of sort of like diet and nutrition sleep stress stress management relationships um gratitude and a few other bits that like for us like like they're all massively part like you can't just take sort of like just the training part and think if you just train like that's kind of health box tick there's so many other kind of things that will have a massive impact on sort of like overall health and happiness um but we shall leave it there for today and come back to that another point part two coming soon part two coming soon (laughs) Uh, thanks very much for listening guys if you've got any questions on any of those bits um feel free to message any of our platforms whether that's through instagram you could message hybrid directly me tm tom um or on facebook and um yeah thank you very much Thanks very much, guys. Please uh, leave us a five-star review because that apparently is really useful. And share with your friends if you found this useful Um, because, yeah, the more people that we can kind of reach and help, the uh, the better, really. Oh, and hey, Betty. Hope you're well. (laughs) Catch you in a bit, guys.